Brother Roger, you come and bring her. What a wonderful week we've had. Uh, Weather-wise, uh, it's been such a, such a pretty, uh, pretty comfortable. Humidity's down. Everything is, uh, you know, I guess this is our uh, week of fall in Alabama. We don't have <laughs> too many weeks of fall usually. But as right around, I've seen um, cotton's beginning to to come in now and it's getting ready to be picked and uh, it always makes me think of the scripture that the wheels the, the fields are white already under harvest and uh, I have I've got a, a friend I actually married my cousin who's a uh, uh, pastor and his first church was a little church over in Berlin um, Mount Carmel Methodist Church and it sits out behind the field and uh, we went by there one day going to Coleman. It's on 278 there. And that cotton field was as white as it could be all the way around that church. And I couldn't help just pull out my phone. I got where I was going to text Tyler and say, I seen a picture and said, uh, your fields are white for harvest already. And he, he really liked that. He, he said that uh, he, he had noticed that and he was glad that somebody else had noticed it. But you know, uh, in the Bible, um, the uh, times then were uh, a whole lot like they are now uh, in that uh, there were certain people that the Jews didn't associate with, the Samaritans, uh, they were hated and looked down on. And, but as we study scripture, we see Jesus had several encounters with Samaritans. And I guess if I had a, a title for our uh, uh, devotion this morning is the the least of these and the fields are white and the harvest already and uh you know if, I, I probably won't read all of this um, and i'm having a little trouble with my eyes but uh doctors are working on that and we'll see if we can get that straightened out but the uh, the good samaritan you know we know that story where the uh priest came by and walked by on the other side of the road with the, <coughs> The man was uh, wounded on the side of the road, and then a, a Levite came by and walked by on the other side of the road, but the Samaritan came by and had compassion on him. And uh, the, uh, uh, he, you know, he, he, he bound up his wounds and carried him and, and told the innkeeper, I'll be back if there's any more charges, just let me know and I'll pay for whatever it is. And, um, you know, that's compassion. Sure. And, uh, uh, as, as we were coming to church today, I uh, flipped on the radio on uh, Coleman station and there was a preacher preaching and, and the title of his message was Compassion is Not Always Convenient. Right. Compassion is not always convenient, but it's always in order. Sure. Uh, but uh, then we then we see Jesus encountered the ten lepers and, and they cried out to him, you know, Master, uh, have uh, compassion on us. And, and, and we see where they went to the priest he told them to go show themselves to the priest and they were healed. And nine of them never acknowledged him. But one came back and, and worshiped and, and, and thanked Jesus for what he had done. And, and then we have the woman at the well. Now all of these were Samaritans encountered by a Jewish man. 
and he had time for them, and he had compassion for them. And uh, if he asked her for a drink of water, and she said, why don't you ask me for a drink of water, being I'm a Samaritan and you're a Jew? And he told about the water he had, that if she drank of it, she'd never thirst again. Right. And she went away to her village telling everybody what Jesus had done. And some believed. And eventually Jesus went to her village. Now some believed because of her testimony about that. And Jesus went to her village and he said others believed not because of her, but because they had seen Jesus. And, and uh, So, you know, as we go through life, um, um, there's always something that we can do. Uh, I, I hope that we've reached a point where we don't see people as not being significant enough to, to put an effort into because everybody is. You know, the, the um, uh, most, in the world's eyes, the most unworthy person is a white field to us. It's, it's, it's cotton ready to be picked. It's corn ready to be picked. Uh, so as we see these people, let's not pass by on the other side. Let's see if we can help. Uh, you know, no matter what their state is, no matter what their uh, condition in life is, um, as a matter of fact, the, the you know the more needy they are, the more they, the more we should be willing to help them. And uh, in in um, closing, I might read this. Um, uh, Jesus and the disciples were traveling together, and and he said something about meat, and they they thought among themselves and talked among themselves. Has anybody given him anything to eat? And they, and they it said they asked him to, to, to eat. And he told them he had meat that they knew not of. And um, then he goes on and says, um, say, uh, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. So our fields are wherever we are. You, know, you don't have to be a farmer to have a field. Our fields are at work. They're at play. They're uh, on airplanes. Wherever we are, as, as the pastor back there said, you know, have people saved on the airplane. And um, so, you know, if it's on an airplane, if it's in a barn hall, it don't matter. It don't matter. That's a field ready for harvest. And sure. if, uh, if we're ready to get out there and cultivate it, water it and feed it, um, the harvest will come, I think. Amen. Anybody got anything you'd like to say this morning? Uh, testimony or um, anything else you'd like to say before we go to our classes? <coughs> if, if not, uh, we'll go to our classes at this time.
You guys look about as excited as I am to jump into this lesson. when you got up there, Yeah, not the greatest lesson in the world. Uh, good to be back this morning. Good to see everyone. I need to mention something and mention it to everyone else when you see them. Uh, especially in the back of the church, we have a brown recluse spider problem that we're going to address. But in the short term, if you go back there to pick up a box, be careful or anything else, especially you, Sister Patsy, Sister Lisa, be careful. Um, they're hard to kill, I have come to find out. They don't wash their hands and lick their hands like regular insects do and you can kill them. They're, they're a little bit hard to kill. Uh, so we're going to have to get the church treated and the fellowship building because they said if you don't get both of them, they'll just move. So, but anyway, just be careful, especially in the back of the church. And Marilyn's aware she's checking things out. But it's mostly in, you know, where spiders would stay. Dark places, under blankets. And I guess the most back, very back room where we store stuff is probably the most dangerous place for them to be. So do keep that in mind, okay? All right. Somebody tell me what you guys discussed last Sunday where I can get up to speed. Where do we get? I know where we, you got to, but... Well, I might offer this doctor's. He did throw them under the bus, didn't he? And he lied about them, we'll find out later, too. Yeah. I guess he had more regard for those angels than he did his daughters. Well. We discussed that, too, the fact that customary, uh, you know, women don't have a high regard. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> And as, we'll, and as we'll see later on, things had caught up with Lot. He was in a panic. Yeah. You know, we, we discussed the fact that when, when Lot and Abram separated, is that Lot cast his eyes towards Sodom. Apparently he had moved on into Sodom and maybe even had become a, a city official. Yes. Because yes. he was at the gate. That's correct. Where you greeted people that were yeah. coming and going. So, you know, he was... Uh, he was a righteous man, but he had surrounded himself with very unrighteous people. Yeah. And his family, he allowed his family to become mm -hmm. involved in that. Yeah. And um, apparently lost a lot because of it. Yeah. And I, I don't know if you guys specifically asked the question, but do you think when Lot separated from Abraham, he ever dreamed he'd wind up in the gate in Sodom? I don't, so. I don't think so. But it goes back to that saying that we hear so often, and it's so true in this situation. Sin will take you further than you ever meant to go. Yes, that's true. And it will cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. Yeah. And keep you longer than you want to stay. And keep you longer than you want to stay. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the hard truths in this scripture we're studying, and that's one of them. Yeah. All right. If you would, well, let's 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 clarify one thing right off the bat. Then uh, let's turn to Romans chapter one in the New Testament. Romans chapter one.
can. We'll start about verse 22. This, this chapter, especially from about verse 18 down, talks about the, the depravity of man getting worse and worse and worse. And in a man's life, a woman's life, how that sin snowballs if you don't, what did Andy say, if you don't nip it in the bud? Yeah, if you don't nip it in the bud. Yeah. But here Paul's talking about the downward course of man. And I've said this before, uh, and I know this, this isn't real popular in a lot of places, but if you put man in a vacuum, he's going to naturally tend to go down. It's just who he is. He's born of Adam. Without a change, the only way, you know, they're saying, can a leopard change his spots? Can a man change his ways? And I say, without God, no. No. Without God, he cannot. He's just born that way to, towards, to go towards depravity. You know, they say, a lot of times you hear people say, if we can just get the inner good out of a person, there is no inner good in a person born of Adam, not without Christ getting in there. Yeah. That becomes the inner good. That becomes the inner good, yeah. Yeah. All right. Verse 22. And I'm skipping a little bit, but we've got to jump in here somewhere. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. So he's talking about man's depravity towards idols. All right. Now he goes another step further. <coughs> Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor, them, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. So we've taken another step down in mankind's path, haven't we? Now let's take another step down. For this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. <coughs> And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts, worn one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now, we can stop there. He continues on. But and you see, in the downward trajectory of man, he'll do idols, he'll worship himself, and as we step further down these ladders into depravity, we come into homosexuality. And there's just no way around it. That was the sin of Sodom. Uh, way back then. And God called it a grievous sin. Now, I know we hear, we hear and the Bible teaches, if we've sinned, we've sinned. 
but boy, if there's such thing as a biggie, this is one. In God's eyes, this is a big one. And I know that our government sponsors it. Our schools sponsor it. You can't even watch a cartoon hardly now on TV where it's not slipped in. Right. Yeah. Hollywood is pushing it as hard as they can. But it doesn't change the book. Yeah. Amen. And I tell you, when somebody asks you your opinion, I always like to say my opinion is not worth a flip, but I know what the book says about it. Yeah. Yeah. And... I don't know how many of us out in this class have little children, but I know we have grandchildren. Boy, their parents need to be on guard. Yeah. I mean on guard. Yeah, because it's being pushed on these little ones from every direction they look. Yeah. But it's a particularly vile sin in God's eyes. Yeah, Kelton's had, Kelton has seen stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Already, like, yeah. out in public. Yeah. He asks questions, and all we can say is it's wrong. It's That's wrong. right. Yeah. To explain it to him, it's wrong. Yeah. <clears throat> At that age, they're already dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. That's how fast we deteriorate, too, because mm -hmm. did any of us have any thoughts at all about that when we were in elementary school? No. No. Well, I don't think kids do today either at that age, and, and that's the... I guess the, the shame of it is that it is being pushed at an age to where um, they're trying to make it seem like a, a natural affection, mm -hmm. which is yeah. not. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we went so far in, in, in society to not only uh, is it just homosexuality, but it's doubting the very nature of biology of whether, yeah. you know, there's a man, a woman, a, you know, whether there's female and males and, uh, you know. It's the next step. Yeah. It's yeah, the next step. It just yeah. confuses yeah. Well, the, the young ones more mm -hmm. as to, you know, what's acceptable. Yeah. I, I saw a, an interview between a doctor, and, and I'm not sure, just, just because you put doctor in front of their name doesn't mean they're a medical doctor. Um, but he was being interviewed by a congressman, uh, uh, I think from Kansas or somewhere. And the congressman was asking him if, if men could get pregnant. And the doctor basically said, if a man with a uterus, if a man has a uterus, he can get pregnant. And the congressman said, we're done here. And he got finished with that doctor and he cut him off uh, of, you know and the the you know on one hand that the party that's pushing this is saying you know follow science follow science follow science and and their pseudoscience uh, dealt dealing with COVID and the vaccines and stuff like that that they were yelling, follow the science. But the, the minute that you take a medical doctor or a biologist that and talk about the difference between male and female, uh, they get done. And, you know, because it doesn't meet their narrative. And I mentioned all those things, government, your schools, television. I left 
men's sports a little bit, women's sports a bunch. Yeah, especially professional women's sports is big time. But it's not only that, it's, uh, you look at the organization that I work for, you mm -hmm. know, as a, as a whole, uh, Ascension, uh, a big company, they're a big medical company, they're throughout this country. Um, and, and they're pushing the narrative that it's important to ask, you know, how somebody identifies themselves. And whether it's male or female or this or that or they, you know, and, and this is a religious organization that does health care that has left science behind for a political directive, yeah. which is a shame. They, they should be ashamed of their sure. And if you've, if you've worked for a major company, I, I remember distinctly when AT&T bought out NCR, one of the first things we had to do was go to school, basically tolerance school. That was one of the first things they did was indoctrinate us into right and wrong. Yeah. Indoctrinating. And they're doing it to our children at mm -hmm. a very young age. Indoctrinating. Yeah. You know, Linda said something a minute ago just in her comments. She said they're, they're bringing this into the children and it's confusion. And who's the author of confusion? Yes. Well, also, the, the highest incidence of suicide in our society is the transgender community. They have the very highest, uh, because the, the, the people are confused. They, they've got confusion in their, in their mind, and then they're being pushed by a narrative that is very confusing. And they, they finally get to the end of their rope and they commit suicide. You know, and for, for us to follow God and, and follow his teaching, the main thing there is that he doesn't change. What's, what was right years ago is right now. And what was wrong years ago is wrong now. And that, you know, our Adam man may not want to follow that, but it has some some sense of stability with it, and um, it's the the confusion that is that's that's wreaking our 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 society more so than than in Europe um, is is really it's causing a, a very very high increase in in teen and early twenty suicides. So I promise you. When we stand against this, we're looked at as backwards, ignorant. But I want to reread the first verse I read to you because these people, what do they think? They're so smart. They're enlightened. What did I read? Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. Yeah. I don't care what I'm called. <laughs> we know that, Pat. Age now yeah. and mindset now. Yeah. That does not bother me. I don't mind saying <laughs> this is wrong. Yeah. I listened to the testimony Kenneth and I did one night at a church um, of a young woman who came out of a lesbian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, the pastor that had preached against this lifestyle you know, has been called homophobic, and it's Pastor Mark that I've had y'all pray for. I mean, he really has stood, and he's put some serious persecution for it. 
I mean, he got knocked off of, uh, was it YouTube or Facebook? It took Facebook. Facebook, but he legally challenged it and they had to put him back on. Um, but this young woman, uh, we went to hear him, and he, she stood up, 21 years of age, and she said, Pastor Mark, you're not homophobic, because that's what people had been attacking him online, saying he was homophobic, preaching against homosexuality. She said, I am delivered today because you had the courage to preach the truth to me. And when I heard the truth, I gave my heart to Jesus, and I renounced the lesbian lifestyle, and I'm saved. We heard her testimony, and I'm telling you, when God gets a hold of you yeah. <laughs> and takes you out of that, you know, and so our pastors, and our Pastor Steve, I pray for you, we pray for our pastors because, you know, y'all are on that front line, yes. that pulpit, and I mean, y'all are going to be the ones that are going to take a hit for preaching the truth, but I always think about that young girl and her, thank you, Pastor Mark, for having the courage to, to preach the truth. And as a congregation, I want to say, Kenneth and I are going to stand behind you in prayer and lift you up because we know that the end is going to come after y'all because you're in that pulpit to preach the truth. And we as a congregation, we've got to stand with our pastors and our teachers and with each other. We've just got to stand together and, yeah. and strong in the Lord because persecution is going to come. We know that. Mm -hmm. Second Timothy, was it? Second Timothy says, those who live righteously in Jesus Christ shall suffer persecution. It is coming if we live for Jesus. Uh, and we've gotten comfortable, I think, all of us. But uh, I know that we want to commit to live the way the Lord wants us to live and to pray for those that are in places where to preach the gospel uncompromised. Because I know the book of Romans, there's places in Canada, if you preach the book of Romans, you'll go to jail sure. as a hate yeah. crime. I mean, they've had pastors put in jail in Canada for that. So yeah. um, we just have to commit yeah. to uh, stand. And yeah. It's part of being a Christian, is persecution. Yeah. You know, it's not just our, our pastors and our teachers. It's our public officials mm -hmm. that are really being, you know, if they stand for what is right, they are just scorned and, and as Russell Limbaugh would say, vilified in the public view as being, they've been called everything you could be called uh, wrongfully, and we need to pray for our public officials too. Yes, we do. Well, and, and also we have a, a there, there's a different, a, a little component of this that you know if if you if you're on social media youtube or facebook or um you know um, heaven forbid TikTok, uh if 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 you're on those things you can you can get uh negative responses and it looks like there's thousands of them uh, uh roger mentioned rush limbaugh Rush Limbaugh had the money to research that. Mm -hmm. And of all of the thousands of negative comments his show received, it was done by about five people. They used computer bots to generate the thousands of negative comments. And so it looked like that the whole society was going to, you know, you know, heck in a handbasket. But it was just a few people. Mm -hmm. And, and it's less than 3% of the population. Yeah, and, and you know, so it's, 
you know, we're not, and, and you know, watch those, the, some of the, re, you know, all I'm doing is watching TV these days, but watch the, uh, the rescues out of Florida. And, you know, one of the commentators made the comment, said, you know, our public, uh, you know, with the present company exception, uh, our public officials and our, especially on the national level, are, are wanting us to think that we're so divided. But look, you know, it didn't matter what color you were, where, you know, where you had been born, all of the people in Florida were working together to help one another. And, and there's thousands of people flooding into that area to go help. And so the United States is not as divided as the political parties would think, want you to think. And, and the really sad thing is, is we are accused of the ones of being hateful. And we're the one with the love of the church to try to turn them because what I've always said is in sin's back pocket. Death. Death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Brother Michael, you touched on exactly what I wanted to say there. Um, the, the, these are very grievous sins, as you mentioned. But you know, and, I, and we should stand firm against that as we, as we do other things that are wrong. But our stand uh, in opposition and our words of condemnation should also always carry the message that there's a there is a way out mm -hmm. and you can be forgiven and you can be restored. God loves you. you know, yeah. But it's like that's a fine line to walk sometimes on some of these things that are so socially and politically charged. Yeah. Very tough. But anything a Christian does, if it's not just totally filled up with love, we're not doing it in the right spirit. It is amazing, though. We're standing at the edge of the bridge that's washed away saying, stop, stop, stop. That's what we're doing. This way leads to destruction. So. But one thing I think as Christians, you got to be aware of that one like button validates anything to them in their minds. And the Christians even they'll go on and, you know, if they wedding pictures and like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, one push of a button, you've just validated the wrong to them. Yeah, we need to be consistent. And, you know, nobody wants to be, like, ugly toward it. But, you know, this is my thing. Don't do, no don't do nothing. You ain't got to hit nobody. <laughs> you know? You don't have to lie or nothing. You don't have to make a terrible comment. But keep your finger off the button. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? That just to me, that validates in there. And they just think they're okay. Oh, a Christian just likes yeah. my... Remember when the disciples, when Christ was walking on the earth, they went to a town and basically they were treated awful. And they came back to Christ and said, you going to call fire down from heaven and zap them? Huh? Huh? Can we watch? And what did he say? You don't know what spirit you're of. Yeah. Yeah, we're not judge. 
We're holding up the sign. The bridge is out. Yeah. But the book does judge. Let's be sure about that. Okay? All right. Well, maybe we can read two verses anyway this morning, but that's all right. Uh, chapter 19, verse 9. Am I correct, Roger? Okay. So, the men of the city are doing the best to get into the house of Lot. And the men of the city said, Stand back. And they said again, This one fella, talking about Lot, came in to sojourn, and now, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them. So, first thing happens here, Lot's buddies turned on him. His so-called what he thought were his buddies weren't his buddies. No. Now they're saying, you're an alien and you're going to judge over us? No. No. He was never... How would I put that? A Christian who's walking away from God doesn't fit in anywhere. He doesn't fit in in the church and he'll never fit in the world. He's been saved. And here Lot's starting to realize that these so-called friends weren't friends. Not when he stood for something or tried to stand for something. And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. And there's a lot of pronouns in this, so if y'all allow me, I'm going to try to fill in, fill them in. But the two angels put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door against them. And they smote the men that were at the door, the men of the city, with blindness, both small and great. And this last part of this verse has just bugged me. Yeah. So that they wearied themselves to find the door. They were so, they were so consumed with sin that even though they were blinded, they were still trying to get in that door. It had taken such control of their lives. That's a scary verse. That is really a scary verse. They absolutely gave out still trying to get in that door. Yeah. That's where sin can lead us if we let it. Mankind. Yeah. Absolutely. It had absolutely taken control of these men. They had no other desire anything in their life. This one thing had consumed them from head to toe. Yeah. And that's why the city was about to be destroyed. Yeah. They had crossed a line. Yeah. Great, wonderful lesson. I know. Uh, a little tough. But I want to say again, keep encouraging, if you have grandkids, especially their parents, to be on guard. To sure. be on guard at school, at Walmart, on at the television, be on guard. Yeah. I've got some calls to make when I get home. Yeah. Well, Mike, we, you know, we can't shelter our children. No. But we, I mean, to the extent we yeah. can, yeah. not completely. Yeah. And so we, we as parents and grandparents need to speak up at every mm -hmm. time and say, you know, 
to my grandchildren, to the Jasper Claire, Jasper Claire, we do not believe that to be right. Exactly. Yeah. We believe that to be sin. Yeah. And just be nice. Yeah. But, you know, that's not right. And and just to be sure that we are trying to feed into them mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Does anybody remember Blue's Blue's? They had a cartoon and it had a song on it. It was catchy. It'd get in your head. And it sang about two mommies in a home mm -hmm. two daddies in mm -hmm. That's scary. Yeah. Obviously there's a, an intentional intent there. That's not by accident. It's just a little step. Yeah. Little step each time. Yeah. Michael, I, oh, I got to ring the bell. Don't I was going to say, I think you better ring. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will be in the doghouse.